You're listening to episode 83, Fertile Minds Radio, and I'm your host, Hillary Talbot Roland. As we were watching just one of these kids' shows, I just thought there is no negative emotion here. Like they don't even, and when there is negative emotion, it's over so quickly. There's no sitting with it. There's no talking about it. It's kind of like, come on, just come feel better. And anyway, we do this. We all do this and we do this to our spouses. We try to help our spouses just hurry and feel better. We do this with ourselves, with our kids. And it truly actually doesn't serve us. And I think the reason what really resonated for me And this would be helpful for anybody who's hoping that their future will bring them happiness that they don't currently have now. In other words, sometimes as adults or even just human beings, women specifically with our motherhood, we, we think that if this just happens, like if I just get pregnant or if my baby just turns three and isn't two anymore, the terrible twos or whatever the circumstance is that we're wanting to change. If this circumstance just changes, then I will be able to feel fill in the blank usually happy of some, of some kind. And what I have honestly learned this last year is that there, in other words, the future with that different circumstance is never better than here. And the same brain that's creating your blah circumstances, right? Or like your blah feelings right now in this circumstance is the same brain that's going to be running things in the next circumstance that you think, whether it's in the future, you know, the change that you're hoping to happen. And so honestly, the number one way to have a guarantee to feel how you want to feel is not to change your circumstances. It's not to have the one thing that you think will make you happy or bring this one feeling into your life. It's honestly gaining awareness over what your thoughts are and what they're creating for you as far as feelings and actions results, and then learning how to move and maneuver those thoughts in a way that gets you to where you want to be with your feelings and actions and results. If you're looking for a holistic wisdom and a plan to reclaim your fertility to help you create a healthy family for generations to come, you're in the right place. This is Fertile Minds Radio. That brief excerpt you heard was from our guest today, Liz Langston. She's a postpartum anxiety and depression coach and a mom of three who is amazing. I hope you will join us in this very honest conversation about the realities of postpartum depression and anxiety. We talk about how to demystify the self-coaching model and how it applies to everything. She touches on how to actually talk to yourself and the 50-50 rule of emotions. We get into how Chinese medicine looks at depression and anxiety, slightly different, slight, and how it can show up as a form of feeling less than in your postpartum experience. I hope that you will have a listen to this episode and recognize the power of the model and accepting what it is as the tool that can dig you out from your lowest lows, no matter what your experience is. And please, 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 if this resonates with you and you think someone else could benefit from it, please share it. Your gesture might be the light in someone else's darkness that sees them through to the other side. Welcome to the show, Liz. I'm so excited to have you on and um, have you talk about your journey to our listeners. Yay, me too. Hello, everybody. So a little backstory for our audience. You and I basically have one of the same woman crushes, Brooke Castillo. (laughs) That's a great way to say it. Yes. (laughs) She's amazing. If 
you haven't heard me reference her on the podcast before. You haven't been listening to the coaching ones and you should, but she's a, an amazing master coach. And I've been one of her self-coaching scholars for a year and a half. And that's, you started with one of her students, Jody Moore, but then you took it a step further and you went through her crazy intense certification program. This is true. I, I basically became obsessed with the tools once they pulled me out of postpartum depression. Yeah, the was, tools are pretty I, amazing. Yeah. I was like, I've got to have this. I've got to wrap my brain around this. This needs to be a bigger part of my life. And I also was looking for an outlet in my motherhood anyway, like the business opportunity drew me in as well. So it was a no brainer. Yeah. So your niche kind of came out of necessity, I would say, right. Kind of like in a calling fashion drew you in, right. And working with postpartum Mm -hmm. depression and the, the amazing population of moms that it affects. But I love your story because it's so organic and authentic. So if you could just kind of fill our listeners in of like how you came to do that, because I don't think it's anything that everybody ever expects will happen to them, let alone Mm -hmm. do they raise their hand and Mm -hmm. say like, hi, I would like to help depressed people, right? Yeah. Yes. I will say, I totally am going to share my story and I will preface by saying as far as helping depressed people, one of my gifts is just being able to do it in a way that's not heavy and it's not draining and it's not shaming. I'm just so, it's not scary for me to talk about. So yes. Anyway, how I found the life coach school and this work is, um, I was, yes, I was a depressed mom. (laughs) I had had three kids in four years. And after my third baby, I had postpartum, postpartum depression. This was my actually second battle with it. I'd had it after my second baby as well. But this time I was already on the maximum dosage of antidepressants. My OB and I had done that sort of as a precaution before the baby even came. So I was maxed out on the antidepressants that I could be on. And I'd already seen a mental health care professional specific to the postpartum realm, as well as attended the local hospital postpartum support groups for moms. And so I just felt like I tried everything. And at that point, uh, it became pretty much apparent to my husband and I that it wasn't safe for me to be with the kids. I was having really intrusive thoughts about hurting the kids, about ending my life. And so we actually had been talking about moving to Denver, which is where his family all lives for a while. And we just decided that that was the time. So we checked with my in-laws and they were gracious enough to allow us to make a home in their basement for an undetermined amount of time while we found our own home in Denver. So we moved up there and basically it just sort of got worse slash stayed the same. Nothing was improving as far as my depression went. And so my in-laws lovingly offered to send my husband and I back to Arizona to wrap up things with our house selling and um, just be together alone without the kids and focus full time on my healing. And they actually didn't even book a return flight. <laughs> so they just said, go do what you need to do. Figure out a way <laughs> to find yourself. And it was with love. Like nobody really in our family at that point knew how I was going to get better. But yeah, so I remember sitting on a couch in my house in Arizona at this time where we had just moved from, um, was packed up mostly in boxes. And I remember I was doing laundry in in the evening and my mother-in-law had mentioned a podcast by a life coach. And of course I wrote it off completely. First of all, I'm in my depression. I'm kind of, it's hard for me to 
set my mind to doing anything besides just sitting there, but also like, what's a life coach, (laughs) right? Right. That's how I kind of, I'm like a life coach. Really? (laughs) But, um, I listened to her podcast. I turned it on and I remember clear as day. And I will actually never forget this moment. I've told her this and we've had a sweet experience. Um, her being Jody, the life coach that I listened to, her name's Jody Moore. Um, I, I listened to her podcast and she said, circumstances are neutral. And basically I interpreted that as my children who for me were the circumstance packed with tons of negative emotion at that time. And actually I felt like my children were a threat to my existence at this point in time. That's how wrapped up I was in my not neutral circumstances. Um, she said, circumstances are actually neutral and it's your thoughts that create your feelings, not your children, not your husband and their words, not the weather outside. And when I learned that, I remember thinking, this is it. This is my ticket out of this mess in my mind. Because if I can listen to my thoughts and actually keep track of them and maybe start changing some of them, my thoughts about my kids, for example, then I could feel differently. And that's exactly what I needed. I needed to feel differently. I was, my feelings were just so deep and dark. They were pulling me down this vortex of not surviving. So that is how it started. And from there I joined her program that she had at the time. And I became a life coach later that year. And it's just been healing and helping others since then. It's been about, we're going on two years this December. So that's such a remarkable story. I, I just honor you so much for being able to share so honestly your thoughts that come up with postpartum depression, because I feel like that's kind of the crux of it is that you have those thoughts and you don't quite understand where they're coming from, especially if you wanted kids for a really long time. And that piece that you said, like they're the thought that they're a threat to your existence. I see that happen with so many moms, even ones that struggled and the ability to talk about it and to, to share with complete strangers, I think is so important to helping all the women heal from postpartum depression that are affected by it because it's just this like complete shame cave. Even if you get out of it, it's for a lot of women, they don't want to admit it. Right. Woman crush, shame cave. You are on it today. You've got some good ones. (laughs) Absolutely though. I totally agree with you. Well, you know, this is why I I wanted to bring you on this. Oh, sorry. You cut out for a second. Oh, no, no. I'm, you're good. Go ahead. The big reason I wanted to bring you on to the, the show for my audience that is mostly dealing with fertility challenges is not as a cautionary tale, right? Because we all have fears that this will happen to us anyways, but really as this huge example of what self-coaching and having a coach can help you with. like, Because I feel like this is up there in terms of one of the most profound experiences that shapes you in a life, you know, being a mother shapes you enough, but then to go through it with postpartum depression as well. Like if you can, you, you not even if you are showing that you use the model to come through and now you're helping other people. I think it just speaks to the importance of learning this tool to use throughout your life in all the stages. So we recently did, um, an episode explaining the model and, you know, what I love about it is it's 
it's kind of this compilation from so many teachers that I've learned from throughout my life, but Brooke Mm -hmm. does this amazing job of simplifying it. And that's the beauty in it, right? Is that we want to complicate things and the model is so, so simple. And what you said about the light bulb going off of like all circumstances neutral, that's where a lot of us want to fight (laughs) you know, that they're not, that they're happening to us. And we're going to dive into that in a second. But first, just in case somebody didn't listen to that episode explaining the the model, I think we named it the number one tool that'll save your sanity during fertility challenges. Can you run through what the model is for our listeners in a, in a simple way to help them understand? Absolutely. Yeah. I like to call the model a ladder. It, I mean, it's basically a tool and I'll explain it for sure. It's basically a tool that can take you from where you are as far as how you're feeling to where you want to go and not just how you're feeling, but the results you want to get as well. So yeah, the model is like a math equation kind of type of thing, except it's not confusing at all. It's just a formula. So there's five things and you plug in whatever yours are. So there's circumstance you put, if you were to write this on a piece of paper, you would do the circumstance at the top. And then thought, feeling, action, and result. So you just kind of stack those up. So a circumstance is anything happening outside of yourself that you can't control. Something your husband says, the weather outside, what happened on the news. And it's really important that whenever you are running a model, that you remember that circumstances are neutral. So anyway circumstance is neutral. And then you have your thoughts about it. And as human beings, we are one of the species, the only species that we know of that is it, is it okay to call humans a species? Like, is that a thing? <laughs> yes, we are a species. Homo sapiens, I believe. <laughs> okay. So as a species, we, um, we're able to create meaning of our circumstances. So we're not clear on how much animals attribute meaning to their circumstances. Like if a tiger comes and kills an ape's young, we don't know what level of emotion they feel as attached to that and everything like that. But we do know that humans create meaning and they experience, we experience our circumstances because of our thoughts about them. And we have the ability with our human brain to attribute thoughts to a circumstance and to therefore feel something, feel something powerful, whether it's a negative emotion or a positive emotion about any given thing that's outside of us. And that's a blessing and a beautiful thing. And, um, but it's also something that can get us stuck sometimes. And so the, the model just truly helps us as humans separate ourselves and what we're feeling from our brain and its thoughts and understanding where our feelings are come from, coming from. So anyway, you've got the circumstance, then you've got your thought that you put in and then your feeling because your thought creates your feeling. And it's important to just pick one feeling to kind of, and that's where a lot of the good awareness works. Like you do a lot of good awareness work is just figuring out what the one feeling is that that thought brings up for you. And inevitably, this is something I really didn't understand before finding this work. Inevitably, your feeling will create your actions, what you do or what you don't do. When people think that they can take action, even though they feel negatively, for example, they can go to the gym, even if they feel um, a desire not to go to the gym, whatever that would be, like laziness or whatever it is that you're feeling, non-motivation, Um, if you, that's, that's willpower and you kind of get, that's, 
it just doesn't last forever. And so truly in the, at the end of the day, your actions will reflect your feelings, which is crazy to me, but it's so cool. It's so true. And then over time, obviously your actions, what you do or don't do create the results that you have in your life right now. So that's the model. I, yeah. Thank you for explaining that in such a simple, succinct way. That was much better than the roundabout way I explained it. Um, but I, the, the feeling part, as much as I knew about thought work and the mind, I don't think I had ever put two and two together about how your feelings cause action or inaction. Um, cause I was just, you know, strong willed that I could override it. And then I started noticing and reading more about decision fatigue and this kind of concept that the more decisions you have to make in a day, the less willpower you have as the day goes on. And I'm like, Oh, that totally explains why I'm like perfect until I've come home from a long day of work and mm-hmm. I can't even decide what to eat. I'm like, I'll eat popcorn. It's fine. Like, <laughs> you know, the best laid plans, but then going a step further and realizing that that was buffering the concept that I didn't want to feel my emotions, my negative emotions. So I was just going to check out with the action of eating or having a glass of wine. Um, That was really profound to me because I realized, oh, I think that I'm processing my emotions and, or I'm just taking a break, but I'm, I'm really just saving them for later to come out in this leaky, terrible way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the most profound thing about the model is that it truly can solve any problem for any human being. It doesn't like, no matter what you're struggling with, it fits into one of those categories. Like that's amazing. And then I like to draw this invisible line. When I do a model, just, just in my head, I just make sure there's this line for me between the circumstance and the thought. So the circumstance is kind of floating in a cloud above the rest of it. Like our circumstances don't actually cause any of our thoughts, feelings, actions, or results. They're just there. And then what actually like causes the rest of the model to fill out. So what causes your feelings and actions results is your thoughts. There's a separation between your circumstances, like any infertility challenges that you're going through and your thoughts about it. And your thoughts precisely create your exact experience of whatever circumstance you are facing right now. Right. And so I find it so fascinating because I will ask, um, I think that this is mostly women, not to generalize, but I'll say, Hey, what, what are you thinking about this situation right now? And they'll almost always answer me. Well, I feel like they'll skip the thought and they'll go right to the emotion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that just totally disempowers us as if we have been made to feel a certain way. But when I realized the thought was causing all of my feelings, it was like the best news ever and the worst news ever. (laughs) Right. Right. As with any responsibility, it's like, oh, I have to do it. But as an adult, we have a lot of responsibilities, but we also have a lot of power and the most freedom and power. As we take more responsibility, we have more power. So it's totally true though. There is that moment of like, but you know what, for me, I didn't have the luxury of being disappointed that I had to change my thoughts about my kids. Like I was just genuinely like praising the universe. I was just like, yes, there's a way out. And I think that's, what's kind of remarkable about how I found this work is I was so desperate. It was truly life or death. My motherhood was on the line. My life was on the line. And so I was all in. 
and I have been ever since. <laughs> that's awesome. And I, that's, I mean, that's when you know you own something, right? That when you, you don't just go, oh, there's this thing that I use from time to time, but you, I mean, it was your lifeline. It was the buoy that saved you and your kids. And I can't think of a better tool to learn, you know, and I, I, what you said about when you were depressed and you were just kind of sitting on the couch and dismissed it. I think there's a common thing because we're feeling so negative, we won't take action. Right. And so we have these people, well-meaning people around us that are trying to help, like say, you know, the example of fertility, like, have you tried an acupuncturist? Have you gone to a reproductive endocrinologist? Have you tried this special diet? And there's a point where you're just so negative that you're like, I don't want to do any of it. Um, Tap me but out. one of the <laughs> best things you can do is just start, is just to try something that you haven't tried, right? Mm. Yeah. Just as a, oh. a pattern interrupt. <laughs> yeah, just like understanding, right? Like not working against those negative emotions, but truly figuring out what's causing them because it's so hard to take action when you don't feel like it for whatever, whether it's sadness, whether it's discouragement, whatever it is. And so just going into your brain and being gentle and kind, that is truly like, you don't go into your brain and figure out what your thoughts are so that you can be mad at yourself and change them because you don't want to be feeling negatively. Like just so nice to your brain. Who's trying to help you and protect you. Just get in there and be like, like, I like to talk to my brain. Like it's this sweet little friend, like, honey, what are you thinking? How's it going? Like, how are you feeling? What are you doing? What's going on? What's the problem? Tell me, talk to me about it. Tell me everything. I've heard Brooke talk about that too, Brooke Castillo, and it's truly the the difference. And it's how, if you can learn to work with your brain and not against it, you will have access to whatever feelings you want in your life at any time. This is so true. I think that was one of the biggest things I learned when I started my meditation practice, you know, a decade or two ago, gosh, it's been a while, but just learning that I how many thoughts I had in a day, you know, that there's 60 to 80,000 of them and how many of them that I'm actually really aware of Mm -hmm. and how many of them are on repeat and habitual and like, don't even make, they're not even like qualifiers to my life anymore, but they're still running on this loop in the background. So many thoughts from child, like that we think we need to think that we thought child. Yeah. Yeah. And well, yeah, because most of those thoughts that are on repeat, I think it's something like 70% were formed between the ages of five and 15. So when I figured out my teenage self was running the show upstairs, it was like kind yeah. of horrifying. Again, yeah. Good news, bad news. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason Brooke calls it emotional adulthood, because I think so much of what is running things upstairs in our brains is not fully transformed into the emotional capacity of an adult, not because we're immature or bad people. It's just that we're not taught this. We're not taught this anywhere. As far as when we grow up, maybe little bits and pieces, but nowhere ever did I hear as a child or an adolescent that circumstances were neutral and that my thoughts created my feelings that if I wanted to feel differently, I would just need to take a look at my thoughts. Nowhere did I hear that. And yet it was a game changing thing. Right. When I learned the model, I I think I figured out, I was like, oh, this is like the missing piece to the Zen riddle of meditation that my teachers have been stringing me along with. Right. (laughs) But I was glad that I had the capacity to slow my mind down because, 
you know, one of the things people will say when they meditate or even when they pray, they'll say, you know, I have all these thoughts and it's really hard to focus and I can't think of nothing. And I'm like, congratulations, your brains is still online and you're going to have those thoughts. But what I've found is it slows my mind down enough to where I'm actually cognizant of what those thoughts are. Like I can observe them and not buy into them. And then I can pluck those out of my meditation and take them into my practice of working with the model. And I get a much clearer um, result really. Yeah. So I would say, you know, to anybody who's not super familiar with the model and these thought work tools, the first step is always just going to be honing your awareness of what your thoughts even are, right? Cause most of us do kind of go from circumstance to feeling like my husband makes me feel this. And so ask yourself, why, why do I feel angry when he says that? Like the circumstance is he said these words, what's the thought that I have about it? And usually you can find it almost always, but it, it does take practice. And so usually you'll start and think you'll sit and think about it. I like to take a pen and paper and just kind of do a thought download. I call it just write down a bunch of thoughts, whatever they are. And I'll usually be able to find the one that's creating the anger. Maybe it's that's not fair or he's such a liar or whatever it is. Right. (laughs) I always find some interesting thoughts in my, I call them uh, emotional vomit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Download as much. Whatever you call it. Just five minutes, get it all out. And I'm like, huh, I would have had no idea that was in there if I hadn't just started writing stream of consciousness. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Which again, just reiterates like, oh my gosh, this is such important work that I need to work with my mind because it's the most powerful tool I have. And it it is creating a reality and it's instructing your body how to run too, right? Something that, and I, again, this is your podcast and I don't want to direct it anywhere you don't want to go, but I did have a question that I thought would be helpful for everyone, um, which is, and I'd love to hear your perspective on it. Um, I tell my people that we really don't know. We as humans don't know with postpartum depression, how much of it is our thoughts and the way we're thinking and talking to ourselves and our models that are playing out cognitively versus hormonal imbalances versus, you know, nervous system reactions. If you hemorrhaged postpartum versus who knows, like all the different factors, I would love if you could just put in context, like, are there any other things that go into the creation of the outcome of postpartum depression in your mind? Or is it truly mostly the way we think in your opinion? Or what are your thoughts on that? Oh gosh, that's such a great question. Um, I think like it's, it's like anything else. It's cumulative of your beliefs and your expectations that you have put on yourself in a situation, which, you know, those expectations are really just your thoughts that are on repeat um, and your beliefs being those really ingrained um, thoughts that are happening over and over again. But yeah, there are some real biochemical issues that can set the stage for you having some hormonal disruptions um, or biochemical disruptions with postpartum depression. So Chinese medicine looks at it a little bit differently just as depression as a whole. You know, We don't just say you're majorly depressed or you have situational depression. We actually look at it as how it affects the organ systems. 
because each organ has an affinity for a certain emotion or feeling. So, and you can have a couple of them happening at one time, or you might've had one in your past, or you can have all of them happening happening at the same time. Um, and all of them, I'm, I'll describe them and you can kind of see how they would situationally play into the transition into motherhood, um, as well as events that could have felt like they happened to you. I mean, certainly a traumatic birth, Mm-hmm. can feel like it happened to you, right? You feel like, especially if you gave birth in a Western medical um, uh, like setting. Yeah. yeah, where, you know, not all Western medical facilities are bad. I mean, I've, I've definitely been at births where I've been so happy to be in a hospital and, and seen amazing experiences. But there are those um, times where unfortunately there's a little bit of rule by fear and it leaves the patient mm-hmm. feeling like if they don't do what the provider says, yep. they're a bad mother. And I really believe that your birth actually is kind of the sets the stage for how you're going to parent, which is why we talk about pregnancy and birth and parenting on the show, not just fertility, because I, I think you can't really separate one out and then not expect to have issue in the other parts. So to circle back around to the depression, uh, the kind that affects the lungs is a, a deep sorrow or grief. It could be from the loss of life. It could be from loss of opportunity or what was or what could be. So that transition into your new identity of a mother, if that is not something that you expected, sometimes there's like some sorrow that comes and smacks you in the face that you weren't expecting. You know, that idea that there's grief in getting what you want, um, and then the shoulds start, right? We start shooting all over ourselves. Like we should just be happy to be a mother and why can't I do this? Um, and then there's the, the heartache. Um, the kind of depression that affects the heart is really a lack of joy. It's the mundaneness of life, which can also set in when you are sleep deprived mm-hmm. and you haven't had a shower in three days. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. <laughs> going through the motions and you don't know what you're doing mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh my gosh, there's no joy. Cause your baby doesn't even smile at you for, you know, the first few weeks. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so if there's not a lot of joy in your relationship or other parts of your life, people aren't bringing you joy. It can feel like that is a depression that a type of depression you're experiencing. Um, that is also really affected by trauma and circulation. So if there's a huge trauma to the body, say there's a lot of blood loss, sometimes yeah. you will just see that type of depression come up. Um, That's so interesting because you know my story. Well, maybe I should. Yes. I didn't mention this in the beginning, but my first baby, I didn't have postpartum depression and anxiety after him, but I did have uh, hemorrhaging and a two unit blood transfusion as a result of postpartum hemorrhaging. And the hemorrhaging happened, we think because of my preeclampsia, which developed the day I went in for a checkup at 38 weeks, they were like, Oh, you need to go in the hospital. So it just kind of happened overnight. But, and, and that is not to scare people. That is not a guarantee at all. That was very kind of rare, not as common thing for me. But anyway, so because of the preeclampsia, they'd put me on my mind is blanking. I told you what it is the other day. Magnesium. Yes. Magnesium. Thank you. High, high doses. (laughs) Yeah. Magnesium, which is a muscle relaxant. And we think that my uterus wasn't able to contract and 
do things as it was supposed to postpartum because they kept me on magnesium for 12 hours after the baby came. And so blood just pooled in my abdomen. And, and of course that was a lot that it all came out at once. So anyway, I lost a lot of blood and I wonder sometimes, you know, after talking to you the other day about this, I wonder if that didn't play into or set the stage for my postpartum depression and anxiety with my next two children. Yeah. And the, so your constitution, you, you know, can take a big hit with something like yeah. that, that in, Ch- yeah. in Chinese medicine, they actually say that the spirit or the Shen is housed in every single blood cell and uh, blood cell. And ultimately in the heart, it doesn't live in the brain. It lives in the heart mm-hmm. and it's circulated through the body. So if there's a problem with circulation, you're going to have a problem with your spirit. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Very, again, very simple way to think about it, but not what we're taught in biology class. Right. It's just fascinating. Also say yeah. memories are stored in every blood cell too right mm. so that's how the trauma lodges in the somatic body or the what some people will say you know your body um I think it's Joe Dispenza refers to your body as your your subconscious mind and that all of your subconscious thoughts and fears and emotions and all that are, sh- are shoved into the physical body. And I look at that and go, oh yeah, Chinese medicine says that because it's all, mm. all the memories are in the blood. Yeah, I can so, see that. Um, I didn't mention this before, but there was a moment at my lowest when I was so desperate to get out of this depression and be able to mother my children and not be thinking about alternative ways to, you know, end my life or whatever. And I remember spiritually connecting with, I just call him God. Um, you know, you can call him whatever, but anyway, I just made a promise to my father in heaven, however you want to name it, just that I would, if I could heal, that I would use this healing, I would take it and I would go serve other moms in this situation in depression. And, you know, you talking about how the spirit is so affected by blood loss, according to Chinese medicine, and just kind of just playing with that in my mind. I just think, I think there was a point through all this where I just turned my life over to God. And I was like, I'm just going to take this on the road and serve people, help people with it. Because I mean, my life almost ended. Like it was, it was dicey there for (laughs) a bit. So that was a sweet part of my story as well. Yeah. I mean, I think divine intervention is where you have those moments. I, I mean, my, I've had, I've had three or four of those moments where I can look back and go, yep, that was the choice. That was the fork in the road of like, are you going to, Yeah. are you going to hand yourself over to something bigger than yourself? Or are you going to think that you're running the show yeah. and boy, by the way, you're doing a terrible job. <laughs> are you going to keep running it yes. this way? Right. Yes. Let's, okay, let's talk about that because I think that when we aren't willing to recognize that circumstances are truly neutral and that everything that's happening, it's possible, like just play with this possibility. I know this could totally be triggering because it, it totally would have been for me when I was suffering and in a lot of pain about my situation, but it's possible that the way things are playing out right now are right. Like they are how it's supposed to be for now, maybe not forever. And maybe we're not supposed to have joy right this second. Maybe we are, I don't know, but it's just possible that the universe has got us. And as we open ourselves up to this idea that we don't need to fight against what is, and we can just be vulnerable with whatever experience comes our way. It is so freeing 
And I talk about this a lot with my moms who struggle with anxiety, whether they've had postpartum depression or not. Postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression go hand in hand, usually, not always. And so anyway, just this idea, and I I pray and hope that this would also be helpful to any potential moms in the future or you know, women who are wanting to bear children, um, or new moms even as well, that, you know, it's just, it's always an option to us to open ourselves up to whatever the universe has to offer us. And in fact, it's in those moments that we are willing to do that, that many times we're able to finally get what we want. Not always, honestly. And that's not why we do it, but I just think it's so interesting how, when we truly just surrender I've seen this time and time again, and I'd be, I'd love to see or hear if you've had experience with this, where women finally get to this place. And again, this isn't just just to say this always happens, but where they get to this place of just acceptance with whether it's an infertility challenge or, you know, their baby has colic and they just stop wishing it was different and stop wishing it away and just kind of like embrace what is however much they can in that moment. And it just becomes easier no matter what results happen. Yeah. We talk about that a lot on the show because it's surrender is the last thing that anybody wants to do when they're not getting their way, but it's (laughs) it's the only way through is accepting what's happening. Right. Yeah. And I think that a big part of why I teach meditation is I don't, I don't care if you have organized religion or faith or whatever you want to call it, right? But I think that there is this huge importance of being a human being and being able to tap into something bigger than yourself, especially in those moments where you are feeling less than or you are just really barely hanging on as a human, right? Yeah. And to be able to have that that faith. And I, and I, not to say that it doesn't get tested when you're struggling, I think is so, so important as a parent, because there's so many times when you're going to just question yourself of like, is this really happening? And if you can, if you have the experience of being able to be in the present moment, which is the only way to connect with something bigger than yourself or God or whatever universe, whatever you want to call it, is to be in the present moment, right? Mm-hmm. That's why the breath helps so much. You can't be, if you're following your breath, you can't be in the past ruminating and you can't be worrying about the future. You're right there. And that's the only place in, in my mind where miracles actually start to unfold yeah. because you're you're like missing all the signs when you're living in your past or your future. If you're not slowing down enough to, to kind of just take in what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that the model is that's the tool that teaches you to sit with negative emotion. Like I went to so much therapy when I was younger and I, I mean, I had trauma in college and I mean, it was, it was useful and called for and it saved my life. I mean, EMDR definitely saved my life. Um, and, but nowhere along that path. And I can remember sitting, looking at her and my therapist and saying, I just want to feel happy. I just want to wake up every morning and feel happy. And no one explained to me like, well, that's good, but you're only going to feel happy half the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like like maybe you should learn to sit in your negative emotions and understand that you're going to come through on the other side. And then you're going to have that evidence for your brain that you can in fact do anything because you've already done these really difficult things, Mm. right? Yeah. 
Yeah. I know you and I, when we were talking about what we wanted to share today, one thing we went over was this 50, 50 rule, which is Mm -hmm. that 50% of the time you'll feel happiness and, or, you know, a positive emotion and 50% negative. And, um, you know, when I first heard this, I was kind of like, that makes sense. But I also thought, couldn't it just be 80, 20? <laughs> Are you oh, sure? yeah. I thought I could buck the system. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, really? That doesn't sound very fun. And, and so at first I questioned the rule, but as I've tried it on and played with it in my life, I've actually started to question Disney movies <laughs> or like <laughs> just our culture. <laughs> no, I love Disney, but our culture in general of the ideal is always a positive emotion. And we are always working to get to one of those emotions. I was even just this morning, I was up in the middle of the night with my toddler who's had a cold and he just woke up coughing and we just sat and watched a show. And as we were watching just one of these kids shows, I just thought there is no negative emotion here. Like they don't even, and when there is negative emotion, it's over so quickly. There's no sitting with it. There's no talking about it. It's kind of like, come on, just come feel better. And anyway, we do this, we all do this and we do this to our spouses. We try to help our spouses just hurry and feel better. We do this with ourselves, with our kids, and it truly actually doesn't serve us. And I think the reason what really resonated for me, and this would be helpful for anybody who's hoping that their future will bring them happiness that they don't currently have now. In other words, sometimes as adults or even just human beings, women specifically with our motherhood, we, we think that if this just happens, like if I just get pregnant or if my baby just turns three and isn't two anymore, the terrible twos or whatever the circumstance is that we're wanting to change. If this circumstance just changes, then I will be able to feel fill in the blank, usually happy of some, of some kind. And what I have honestly learned this last year is that there in other words, the future with that different circumstance is never better than here. And the same brain that's creating your blah circumstances, right? Or like your blah feelings right now in this circumstance is the same brain that's going to be running things in the next circumstance that you think, whether it's in the future, you know, the change that you're hoping to happen. And so honestly, the number one way to have a guarantee to feel how you want to feel is not to change your circumstances. It's not to have the one thing that you think will make you happy or bring this one feeling into your life. It's honestly gaining awareness over what your thoughts are and what they're creating for you as far as feelings and actions results. And then learning how to move and maneuver those thoughts in a way that gets you to where you want to be with your feelings and actions and results. No, I think that's super important to remember. And I see this, I saw it in myself when I first started learning the model. Yeah. I was like, okay, I did the model and great. I feel like crap. And then I was like, so how do I get to the positive thought? Like I skipped neutral. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to get to the happy and I was like, wow, that's really interesting. And so there's this fine difference of like having your future results and like working towards being that person. Mm -hmm. But it's such a far leap for a lot of us when we're really low, right? When we're feeling really negative, that sometimes neutral is just enough that that's so helpful because it allows you to get off the couch and actualize and do what you need to do and feel your feelings and just observe them instead of trying to skip to happiness, right? Because that's just more shoulds, right? Yeah. It's just that 
that idea of that we should just be happy and you have everything you want, Mm -hmm. um, which is the, the kidney type of depression is that you can to circle back to that, you can understand with that type of organic depression, which is sometimes inherited, right? So sometimes there's an issue, um, in our familial line and we have a propensity for some of it. And sometimes it just comes from straight burnout, right? You Mm -hmm. haven't slept, you haven't eaten, Mm -hmm. um, or you have one of those other patterns and it just eats up all the kidney energy, which is by the way, is what your body derives reproductive energy from is your kidneys. And I not know that. Yep. And that's why we have two. It feeds all the other organs energetically in Chinese medicine. Hmm. It also governs fear. So you'll see what you said about anxiety and depression going hand in hand. It's absolute because what you see is you, you see this immense fear, which usually manifests as anxiety, you know, fear of the unknown. And then after we're completely burned out because we haven't slept, we've been overworking, we haven't fed ourselves properly, all of the things. Mm -hmm all of a sudden we have no energy to hold that anxiety and the pendulum swings back to depression. And it's the type of depression where you're just like, I can logically understand I have all these things and I cannot actualize myself into my life. So, yeah, I'm curious with just the experience you've had and your, your background and everything. Um, do you think that just as the body, you know, the loss of blood, for example, or the state of your different organs, plays into your emotions and your mind. Do you believe that your, the work we do to manage our mind can then help to stabilize or refresh or heal our bodies or organs or anything? Absolutely. I think it's a two way street. So the mind is always informing the body of its perceptions through sight, sound, feeling, right? What it, you know, what it thinks is happening. Mm-hmm. And then every single cell is eavesdropping on those thoughts, right? And yeah, it's how you say that, yeah. It's you know, it's listening and then acting in a you know in a way in accordance with those thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then we also have what goes on inside of our body, right? Just on a physical realm of you know, let's take our digestion for instance. You know, your microbiome is cellularly it it outnumbers all the cells in your body nine to one. It's a, an entire ecosystem of itself comprised of bacteria, virus, fungi, um, not just the food that you eat in your intestines, but it's got mm-hmm. all these parts to break it down. And the vagus nerve that connects your microbiome to your brain, you know, science used to think that it was actually a one-way street from the brain down into the biome. And what we understand now is it's actually really about 80% the other way. Everything is traveling up from the biome to inform the brain of what's really happening in our external environment in terms of our food that we've just taken in. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's two ways for sure. Um, I don't think you can separate them. And I think that that's really important because there's so many of us were taught to, to just focus solely on the physical part of our body, right? Mm-hmm. like food exercise. If it's not working, take a pill. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Right. They kind of left out that whole part about how the emotions can interact. You know, I, I really think that, you know, you have a body and you have a brain, but you like you as yourself, the observer are the gen, you're the interplay in between. You're the thing that's observing the body and the mind. Yeah, that's my big push right now on my platform um, is that you are not your brain. 
Um, and you can, you can hear thoughts and see them happening and not actually think them and actually have them play out into your full model, your, you know, the, all the feelings and actions and results if you want to. And that, again, that takes some practice and awareness, but, um, I was going to mention a lot of these tools we've talked about. I do get worried about people feeling overwhelmed or getting a little lost. So just so you all know, um, the tools we've been talking about today are, if they're new to you, um, you can get help implementing them. You don't, you know, if, if you're like, I don't understand how to do a thought download or how do you run a model? I don't get it. But you want to learn how that's when you would want to look at either hiring a life coach or, or, or having one to help you kind of sort it all out. So just if anyone was feeling overwhelmed, I know I kind of did when I first started learning about the entire model and I kind of understood it logically, but as far as implementing it and really working with the model as a tool to help me get clarity on my life, I was like, I need help. And I joined a program with, with a life coach. So that's always an option as well. Yes, for sure. Cause you, I mean, overwhelm, right. It's one of those emotions that we just, we let us put us in a trance to do nothing. Right. We just then start thinking about the model instead of doing it. Yeah. So like, honestly, I feel like I give all the information on my platform and it sounds like Hillary, you do this a lot as well. And what people really want to, when they come hire me, it's usually to help them implement because they trust me and they also want more help implementing it. Like they understand it and they even sometimes use it, but they're just not getting the results and the change and the traction they're wanting. So if you go try these out and you kind of find yourself in that boat, just know you can come talk to either of us and get more help implementing. We're both, aren't you coaching now, Hillary? Yeah. I mean, I do in the treatment room and we're about to launch in online program where you can bring your models and get so coached cool. on them. You're yeah. so cool. What? I was thinking about that. I was like, everybody on this podcast, you guys are all so spoiled rotten. Hillary is the full package. She's amazing. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. So are you. I mean, I think if anybody's out there struggling with any type of depression, you know, even if it's just from fertility challenges, yeah. they should reach out to you because this is what you do and you've been there and you understand it in such a non-judgmental way yeah. um, that I think is really important when you're looking for someone to help dig you out of where you're stuck. Yes. There's truly nothing you could say that would phase me <laughs> at this point. <laughs> so bring it all. It's, it's all very welcome. Yeah. Yeah. I offer 60 minute consults for people who are truly interested in, in hiring me and really wanting to investigate kind of why they are where they are and where they're wanting to get to in their life. And we, you know, I, I hear those out. I listen to where you are, where you want to go. And then we make a, an action plan of how we're going to get you there. And I share with you what I'm seeing and everything. And then I can help you hire, get, you know, hire me and get going if that's what you're interested in. So it's pretty great. So the easiest way for people to find you, you do have a website, which is, um, LizLangston.com. Yeah. Oh, it cut out. What did you say? Oh. I said the easiest way for people to connect with you is on Instagram, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say my website is more of a formality. I'm just really active on Instagram and I have a big community there and people like to just, that's just the way that I, it's my jam. I don't know. So, but if you're not really into Instagram, which I totally get, then you can just email me at 
it's just Liz Langston coaching at gmail.com. And that's just L I Z L A N G S T O N coaching at gmail.com. So I'm always checking my email, but I, yeah, I'm on Instagram a lot. And then I do, I think I mentioned this to you, Hillary, but every Thursday I do a free hour long training on different subjects. And the link for those is always going to be in my Instagram profile. So yeah, that's another way to get. That's just so much value. You guys, you should definitely check her out. She's at Lizzie Langston. So L I Z Z I E L A N G S T O N on Instagram and go up into her link tree and you can find those free webinars yeah. and hop on. But before we go, I want to ask you, cause this is kind of your, your, your strength. We've alluded to it throughout the, the program talking about the model and, and thought management and faith, but your strength is really in belief, right? Uh-huh. So can you just take our listeners home with maybe one piece of advice around examining maybe their beliefs about their fertility or their ability to parent and um, how you know when you're ready to rewrite your story? Yeah. So such a good question. It's such a beautiful topic. Um, you know, I just spoke at my life coaches, my life coach school's annual mastermind for all of us certified coaches. I spoke on stage, shared my story. And the end, after I shared my story that I just shared today about my postpartum depression and the suicidal thoughts and then healing, I attributed my healing, not only not to the model. I mean, the model was pivotal. Yes, but I would have never found the model and found healing had I not believed that it was possible. Let me just say that again. (laughs) Okay. I wouldn't have found my solution had I not been willing to believe that there was a solution. I wouldn't have listened to a life coach's podcast had I believed that there was no solution. I would have been like, no, like, why would I listen to that? There's no solution, whatever, whatever, whatever. And so literally your belief is like a flashlight. Your belief of what is possible for you, for your body, for your current baby or a future baby, for your husband, for your life, your belief of what is possible paves the way for what is possible. And it just, belief informs your brain of what to look for. I think also on a deeper level, belief tells your body what to do. And the way that you truly believe in something, not because you're desperate, not from a desperate place of, I have to, for example, have a baby or I won't be able to have the life I want, or I have to heal from depression or else I just won't ever like love life again or whatever. It's not a desperate thing, but when you can believe from a place of faith, faith in whatever it is you're wanting to believe in. I personally, yes, I have a belief that faith is centered in Jesus Christ, but that's not something everyone shares and truly just believing that it is possible, whatever it is, it totally determines whether it is or it isn't. That's how powerful our brains are. Literally our brains can be creators of whatever it is, of our dreams. You've just have to have that belief first. And so I actually do work with a lot of moms and in the past, I've worked with entrepreneurs a lot in creating, whether it's an income they're wanting to create or a a type of way they want to be as a mom, just leaning in and cultivating and protecting your belief of what is possible. I love that. Protecting your belief of what's possible. 
Yeah. And I think you should protect that with the same fury that you'll protect your future children. Absolutely. They're one and the same. I think, I think children are something that we envision so much first before they come. Not always, right? Sometimes it's like, Oh, surprise. But then you have those nine months to you do, you just connect and envision so much. So I, I have a podcast. I actually don't think we mentioned that. Did we? <laughs> we did it, but they, they probably have caught on by now, but yes, you have an amazing podcast. So it's just the postpartum coach podcast. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> Yeah. So if you want to learn more about the model, that is the majority of what, you know, or one of the bigger tools that you're using on that podcast to, ex- to help women extract themselves from that place, but you don't have to have already had a baby to uh, be suffering with negative thoughts. So I think that it's definitely um, super important for everyone to have a listen. And in the event that you are struggling yourself with postpartum depression, or you know, somebody that is, hopefully you will now have a way to point them in a direction that can actually help them. Yes. Because heaven knows there, there's a good chance they're not actually looking. (laughs) So you might need to be the little bird in their ear. Like my mother-in-law was to me. And I honestly, I think she told me at least three times, you should go check out this podcast. You should go check it out. I, I really think it'll help you. I really think you'll like it. And I was like, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. So definitely feel free to share <laughs> with someone that's depressed multiple times. <laughs> well, thank you so much for giving your time Absolutely. away from your kids and coming on the show and uh, kind of cross interviewing me. I love that. That's awesome. Uh, I can definitely tell that you host too, which is amazing. I think you, it's super beneficial your for brain, listeners. Hillary, your brain is so full of applicable stuff. I think we might need to do this again sometime because there's just so much both ways that interrelates. And I, those were genuine curiosities. I was like, Hey, Hillary, you have to talk about this. I'm so curious. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think it's always helpful to have people talking about the model instead of you trying to figure it out just yourself and to understand that we too have struggled with the simplicity that all circumstances are neutral, (laughs) including the one you're suffering with right now. right? Right. Yeah. So thank you so much for being a light and being the biggest authentic version of yourself because the world needs that more than ever these days. So absolutely appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me on today. And I just, I, uh, we didn't really talk about this, but I do have some close family members who have had infertility or fertility challenges. Um, and my heart, I have a special place in my heart, uh, for that particular struggle. I've seen it up close and personal, And, uh, there's just a lot of love in my heart for women who (laughs) I'm getting emotional now who want to have a baby and are not able to at the moment. And I can't imagine what that pain, you know, might feel like. And obviously I do teach that circumstances are neutral. That doesn't mean that I don't have a total heart for any, um, one struggle. And so, um, but if you are, yeah, if you do feel like you're ready to, be in a new place or just to reach more acceptance or even just a little more neutrality or peace with it. Come talk to either of us. Um, we'd love to help you get there. Yes. And if you're listening, biggest thanks to you for your time and your attention. That is your biggest asset that you have. And we're honored that you've decided to share the last hour of your life with us. And we hope that it has been 
over the top beneficial. We're always here for you. Yes. You're awesome. Right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> you too, Liz. Bye for now. Bye. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, I invite you to sign up for my fall into fertility cleanse. It's a lead cleanse for five days with an emphasis on healthy food choices and mind work like we just discussed today to help you get control of your mind when it comes to your diet and your fertility journey. You'll enjoy a week's worth of super easy and nutritious meal recommendations complete with shopping lists and daily live coaching with me to help you get a hold of your buffering patterns that are most likely holding you back from your most fertile self, body, mind, and soul. We start Monday, December 2nd. So head over to fertilemindsradio.com, our new site for all of the ways that you can work with me and click on the work with me tab to sign up.